Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. all about living in the solutions. Today I have a, a new friend, I hope, and an important guest on is Mr. Robert Scott Bell. He's a radio host of a six-day-a-week talk show, and he's also a homeopathic practitioner. But what really strikes me about Mr. Bell is his willingness to think outside the box. We're living in, I think, a, a really a crossroads, a time of crossroads in our healthcare system, where we have two choices to make. We go down this totalitarian pathway where we're told what to think, what to do, what to put in our bodies, or we start to become individuals and take our power back. And one of the things that strikes me about pretty much every homeopathic and integrative practitioner I've ever met is that they're all about individualized health care with the mindset that the body is is the key, that the body is self-healing if we get out of the way. And I wanted my listeners to really again, hear that message because I'm seeing patients in my office daily on all sorts of medications and they just seem to be piling up more and more, but no one seems to be getting healthier. So, Mr. Bell, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's really an honor to have you on. Yes, Dr. Elena George, I'm glad to be with you and, uh, you know, happy to help out because, you know, my my goal and, and role in life is to bring the power to heal back where it belongs with each and every one of you. And, of course, it's just a reminder because that power exists from the time we're born. Mm-hmm. But uh, very often we have doctors that will uh, disconnect us from it for their own purposes, or maybe they're just plain ignorant of that. I think you're right. I, You know, I think the average doctor, the way the system is being pushed, they don't even have the time to think anymore. It's all about get you in, get you out next, and... Make sure my algorithms are correct so that I meet my benchmarks. You know, it's all about information and data, but it's not about patient care anymore. Mm-hmm. It is true. We've become uh, kind of an enumerated society in terms of, uh, uh, you know, data being entered into computers. And, of course, we're numbering patients, and, and then we number their diseases or symptoms and ailments. They have codes as well. And it's mm-hmm. like, where is the humanity in medicine and I've often said over the years, where, would, where did modern medicine go wrong? Not that it adopted uh, new technology, perhaps, I mean, new advancements. There are things that are really warranted and good, but when they uh, basically abandoned spirit, the basic principle, vital force of life itself, and said, no, we're all about this thing that became scientism or a church of science mm-hmm. instead of real uh, legitimate inquiry and, and going where the facts lead us. I think that's well said. And, you know, it, Part of it, to me, is laziness, if you really, really want to be truthful about mm. it, is that people don't want to think anymore, and they want to every, have everything spoon-fed, and that goes for doctors as well. I mean, we have a whole generation of new docs coming in who have iPads. I mean, that's what they're – they're not reading anything. They're not putting hands-on anymore. It's all virtual. There's no way that you can learn, in my opinion, about a patient unless you're in the trenches dealing with everything about that patient that makes them unique – and then applying what you've learned to the patient. You know, it's it's a, an art, and it's a discipline, and it's always a learning environment. And I don't think that's what people think about anymore. No, and, and I've written about this in, in the book that I wrote with Ty Bollinger about the Flexner Report of 1910, how it mm-hmm. altered medical education specifically to, you know, program the, the coming doctors of the 20th and now 21st century 
to ba- basically be uh, prescription writers for petrochemicals that are synthesized and then uh, patented and approved by what I call the Fear and Death Administration, the FDA, because uh, that which they approve of has become the third leading cause of death, according to the medical journals. So uh, it's not even a controversial statement. It's just a reality that's uh, kind of a the only way you can stay away from it is have a high level of cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. or be on a lot of medications or drink heavily. <laughs> well, hopefully not the latter. Uh, well, another thing that, that really strikes me, actually, I want to ask you, how did you get into this mindset? For me, it was my mom and dad, and they were ill, and medical standard medical treatment didn't work. So we started nutrition and thinking outside the box, and my mom died. She had a brain tumor initially, and she died of something else seven years later after she retired to the Caribbean, after they said she was going to die when I asked him what her prognosis was. So that's what led me down the path is that I didn't want to take what they said as truth. I wanted to pursue my own pathway. And I found a whole world out there that's not medication and prescription driven that's really valid and really does work. And it's changed my mindset towards my practice of medicine. How would you get involved? Well, I was raised pharmaceutically. You know, my dad was a pharmaceutical rep. My uncle was a medical doctor. And I knew from the time I was a, a little a little guy that I wanted to be, become a doctor when I grew up. But because I was a, a canary in the coal mine of the Generation X, I had all of the ailments that were somewhat rare at the time. Now have become commonplace in many children today. And I was always treated with medications, uh, whether it be non-steroidals or steroidal drugs or uh, antibiotics, which I'd been on many, or allergy medication, and uh, even surgical intervention for allergies related to sinus congestion, uh, even uh, musculoskeletal inflammatory disorders as a young man. So I had been through so much in my young life, and uh, by the time I was eligible to enter into you know, the pre-medical, pre-med programs, I was questioning uh, the wisdom of modern medicine. Now, my uncle, the doctor, when I was a teenager earlier in, in, in my life at that point, a few years earlier, had said, you know, I don't recommend that you become a doctor. Uh, and I thought, well, this is strange coming from my uncle, the doctor. Mm-hmm. Why would he say that? But his motivation was was probably because his own unhappiness with the, with the profession at the time, and this was back in the 70s and 80s, he would tell me, the government is getting more and more involved in what we want to do and prohibiting us from doing what we know is right. And I, I see a time, as he told me, that the government will completely take over medicine and then there will be no freedom for the physician to be the healer that they had wanted to be when they went into medicine. I thought, well, I don't like the sound of that, but still, that's the only thing I know when it comes to doctoring. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, uh, you know, prayers that were answered, you know, as I prayed to God for healing that the doctors could not or would not bring to me when I realized they didn't know why I was even sick. Uh, when it was about four or five years later that I met a homeopathic doctor who had emigrated to America from Europe, and I studied with him for over 10 years and, of course, learned a whole lot or had to unlearn a whole lot before I could <laughs> learn the fact that my liver was congested. I was toxic from eating a diet consisting of foods that were grown with pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. The residues were there or refined foods and processed foods with additives, preservatives, colorings, flavorings. So all of these things worked uh, to, to be a detriment to my function and the function of my liver and the excretory organs, the system that was designed to keep me alive. And so I had, uh, you know, dealt with the, this concept of toxin, toxic burden. Mm-hmm. And I began to change my life, my diet, my lifestyle, and started using the homeopathic remedies, started looking into herbal medicine and supplements, and began applying them in my life and saw changes that no, no medicine had ever brought to me other than a temporary relief of symptoms with 10 other symptoms that it would bring to me. So it was a real experiential path. It was an answer to prayers. 
And as I began to gain in confidence in my own health and healing, I uh, began to help others and eventually found myself uh, speaking out to uh, my fellow Americans at the time and ended up in broadcast radio, now my 20th year broadcasting my radio show uh, because I just couldn't shut up about what I experienced. So it was a long journey to get here, but here we are, and, and now many more people, including medical doctors, are coming to the same conclusions I did uh, over, what, 28 years ago now or so. Well, the, the fact that you had the, the guts and the courage to step out, and I wouldn't even say on faith. it was You had to, it sounds like, because your your health depended on it. And the fact that you were open to let somebody else or another mindset you know, listen to it. If everybody mm-hmm. could do that, I think we'd be in so much better shape. I mean, I don't understand. Well, I guess I do. Why we can't, why everybody cannot coexist with this way. The way the pharmaceutical industry operates, it's all or nothing, their way or no way. And there's been an onslaught, and I think an attack on integrative medicine, on integrative doctors. And is it fear that they're going to lose their market share? Because once people figure out, I don't need a med, to be healthy, that they're going to run out the door and get rid of that stuff? Well, like government, allopathic medicine is brute force. It is a, a violence, if you will. It's a, it's a practice that, you know, again, as we talk about removing the subtle life force itself from, from you know, recognition or acknowledgement, uh, you begin to see that going back to Flexner of 1910, how that, you know, it was about dominating the marketplace. It's about eliminating competition. It's not about cooperation or even what really brings about healing in the body. It's about what, how, how can we profit off of disease? And so the business of disease is disease and it is business. So here we are, you know, a century and plus later from that time frame. And most people, doctors included, have no earthly idea the origin of their own, uh, you know, schooling and curriculum. And certainly those in government who have institutionalized monopoly medicine have a hard time seeing anything beyond that. So we see people on the political left arguing that we need a single-payer system, Medicare for all, or socialized medicine. I'm thinking, you know, why would you want to force people to participate like the Obamacare preceding it in the third leading cause of death? That makes no sense. You know, and if your disease management model doesn't actually cure any diseases, why would we make that the dominant medical model, the dominant model and call it a health care? There's no health and there's not a lot of care. So my argument is that freedom is the solution here and the freedom for homeopaths and herbalists and Reiki masters and chiropractors and naturopaths and allopaths and DOs and MDs all to be able to compete side by side mm-hmm. with honesty and integrity. They can't claim to be what they're not or do what they, they're not trained to do. But in that context, you know, the, the, the cream does rise to the top. You find out what actually helps and works. But if your model depends upon, again, disease perpetuation, uh, that can't be. And when the, you know, the, the good people that go into medicine come out of medical school with half a million in debt and they're, you know, they won't risk going outside the box because of the threat to their license and livelihood or ability to pay back their debt, much less live in a home or care for their families. So it's a very big stranglehold based on economics not real healing. I couldn't have said it better. And on that note, I want people to think about that while we take our first break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Are you having problems with persistent bad breath, constant throat clearing, hoarseness, a cough that won't go away? a sore throat, or a feeling that something's always stuck in your throat, why not find out what the problem is so it can be fixed? 
At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking time to work with our patients as a team to get to the root of the problem. Make an appointment today to see why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. From treatment of sinusitis to balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking to Mr. Robert Scott Bell, who is, um, I think, he was well ahead of his time. There's no question about that. But this is somebody who everybody needs to listen to, and you should go to his website, robertscottbell.com. You can listen to his archives of his show. And also listen to a show live on GCN, I believe, isn't it? Yes, GCN is my syndicator, and you can catch it simulcasting on my YouTube channel as well as iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud. It's rebroadcast on UK Health Radio, and occasionally we'll make segments available to Brighteon.com. Uh, that's a Mike Adams, the health ranger, put up an option for a video site that wouldn't be censored by uh, the YouTubes of the world, and now we see Facebook and, and Twitter censoring a message of, empowerment when it comes to health and healing and questioning mm -hmm. uh, the established doctrines like even vaccination, which is the third rail of medical politics. That's um, that's a real question mark for people. Actually, an article just came out that a lot of parents, a majority of them are now questioning whether their child should have, for example, a flu vaccine, if it's healthy to do it and if it even works. So even though there's um, basically a, a, a a mindset of shutting people up and and silencing them, the word is still getting out, and I think people are becoming thinkers. And again, I don't think people who are who question vaccines are necessarily against them. It's what's in the vaccine that people need to understand. And there's a lot of stuff going on with these vaccines. They don't test them. There mm -hmm. is fetal tissue, I think. Don't they use some of that in there as an adjuvant? Oh, yes. I mean, who wants that shoved into their system? I mean... I can't even imagine. You are what goes into your body. If it gets incorporated into your genetics, that's passed along generationally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a big big issue. Now, of course, when they censor uh, or talk of censoring discussion of vaccination, that's patently unscientific. You know, anything uh, it, it should be we should be engaging in vigorous debate about uh, longstanding thoughts and, and, and ideas that may or may not be viable in terms of uh, the health of, of humans or animals. And uh, when something becomes beyond question, when it can't be questioned, when, it, when debate and discussion is censored, uh, all the more reason that we have to look very seriously into it. Uh, so there are desperate uh, times right now in, in terms of the free flow of information on this particular topic mm -hmm. uh, among many. But, of course, that's what I, why I went into radio, because I recognize my fellow Americans and my culture here in, in the United States, where I originate, uh, never heard this stuff any more than I did. I never heard the word homeopathy until I was 24 years of age, yet it was intricately intertwined into the medical history of America, which has a rich history of natural medicine in it. So not knowing that it existed, then we look at all of these things like natural medicine 
as something foreign or strange as opposed to be so, uh, something that it actually was, you know, woven into the very fabric of our history. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. This is this is what our healthcare system was until the Flexner report came out. Wasn't that the 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 separation and the demonization of our healthcare, the natural side of our healthcare system, and then it just got overtaken by this by the money? And didn't Rockefeller underwrite the Flexner report? Yes, the Rockefeller and Carnegie Foundations were responsible for that preordained commission report that would end up. Uh, basically defunding and, and almost criminalizing uh, medical schools that do not teach patent petrochemical medicine. And, you know, so you're right, prior to that time, there was more of a free market for medicine and medical care. Uh, there were homeopathic hospitals that dominated the landscape. Uh, there were naturopathic hospitals, and as well as, uh, you know, these schools, medical schools, naturopathic, homeopathic. Uh, of course, the demonization of chiropractic medicine over the 20th century, you know, ended up in the 1974 case, AMA, Wilk versus AMA, where they acknowledged that the AMA, the trade organization for many doctors at the time, was colluding to uh, eliminate its competition, and they perceived chiropractic as competition. So it wasn't spirit of cooperation. Let's find out what works best. It's about don't let anybody know about anything but allopathic medicine. And now we find ourselves in the untenable position of uh, basically, uh, you know, adopting, as I've said, the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism as a as a state religion. You know, when it comes to vaccines, when it comes to cancer care, cancer treatment. Uh, nothing is allowed unless it's chemotherapy, radiation, or surgery. And it reminds me growing up learning about communism, you know, or East German uh, communism. You know, you could have any color car you wanted there as long as it was black, right? It's like, <laughs> wait a second. You know, choice? No, it doesn't matter. Uh, why is choice not an option in, in medicine, the, cho- the ability to choose beyond it, uh, things that preexisted it? Uh, so we have to question, you know, where is freedom in this equation? I absolutely agree. I think one thing that I've... I'm absolutely against the Affordable Care Act, no question. But I did a Mm -hmm. talk when it first came, when it got passed, and I said to my colleagues that it's the best thing that ever happened to medicine, and they were aghast. (laughs) But my my mindset was it's going to get so bad that people will stop. They'll have to change what they're doing, and doctors will have to go work outside the box if they value the Hippocratic Oath, if they value what they're put on this earth to do. And it's kind of, you know, the pendulum is slowly swinging back with uh, primary care doctors doing uh, direct primary care, alternative and an integrative approach has become really, um, I wouldn't say popular, but it's becoming the forefront. And I think doctors mm-hmm. are now going and getting certified and now using or working along with their homeopathic and their um, holistic colleagues and working as a team. That's the team I want to be a part of, not the drug pushers. Mm. I love that you saw through uh, the Affordable Care Act oh, in yeah. that way. I th- I think on some level, though, it was designed to fail for the purposes of what we're hearing about now, the push to socialize single-payer medicine, because, you know, if you if you could you know, corrupt the marketplace in such a way and make it fail, then what people are are, are, are led to believe is that freedom failed. You know, it, it wasn't uh, that the system itself was bad. It was that, oh, you had choice, and so you see choices are not good. We need to take that away from you, and everything will be fine then. But uh, when I, you know, for instance, I, I lecture up in Canada every year uh, for conferences, and you know, I talk about their system. They seem to be very proud of their single payer kind of socialized healthcare. And I talk to people that are more holistically oriented, obviously coming to hear me speak. And and I and I say, you like your system? Oh yeah, it's great. It's very fair. It's caring. It's all the things that you hear about for socialism. And I say, well, uh, how much of that system do you use? 
oh, I never use that system because, I, you know, I don't use drugs. I won't vaccinate my children. We don't like antibiotics. I'm like, well, this system that you've decided is not right for your family. You're happy that all your tax money is going to put other people through what you've determined is very dangerous. Oh, I never thought of it that yeah, way. Yeah, there you Again, go. They don't you know. think. But it's yeah. all emotion, though. It's all driven by emotion. There, I don't know if you saw this recently, but there's an – I don't know if it's a law that's been passed, but certainly it's in the legislature in New Hampshire – where they're now mm-hmm. going to fine doctors $10,000, I believe, if they don't take Medicaid, Medicare, or the Affordable Care Act plans. I knew mm-hmm. this was coming. Next, yeah. they're going to tie your license to it to make you of make course. you do this if you're against it. It's just obscene. We have to take a stand now before this mm-hmm. becomes ingrained and, and legislated into existence. You know, it's My not dearly right. departed. My dearly departed uncle was right when he warned me he against was. going into modern medicine. He really saw it. Uh, and my mom's amazing. She's 85 years old, and she lives in Norcross, Georgia. I think you're in Atlanta, right? I am. Yeah, and uh, she's on zero drugs. She listens to her son. And uh, she was very mad uh, because they said she had to take Medicare Part D, which is mm-hmm. the prescription drug coverage, which ironically came from a Republican administration, for those of you who think it's, you know, like who's, who's, who's what, right? Stop with the D's and R's. Everybody is bought. But she, she's like penalized for not participating. She's like, I don't take drugs. Why should I have to take that? And they, they, they dock her like 10% on her Social Security for that. And so we've got a system, as I said, it's the state-sanctioned religion. Where is freedom in this equation at any age, from the youngest of the young to our elders? And uh, that's not something that's part of this equation. And I've argued that we need to bring freedom back or else, uh, again, it's medical tyranny. And tyranny is not an American ideal, although some who have lost their way and don't know from history are arguing for tyranny. What you don't know, you shouldn't talk about. On that note, let's take our our second break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. You're listening to Medicine on Call, where healthcare, business, and current events connect. If you've tried taking over-the-counter medications but still have problems with nasal congestion, recurrent sinus infections, sinus headaches, or a dry mouth when you wake up in the morning, why not fix the problem? From natural integrative treatment to minimally invasive surgery, Peachtree ENT Center will work with you to find the solution that works best for you. Call 404-591-9100 today to make an appointment or visit us at PeachtreeENTCenter.com because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today.
Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Mr. Robert Scott Bell, a radio show host, an author, and somebody who everybody actually needs to listen to. What we talked, what we talked about prior to the break, was Cloward and Piven essentially, right? You create a crisis, and all of a sudden you've got the solution, which is our Hegelian dialectic, I think, actually, where yes. the government is the answer. But they keep you know, this baiting people and making people hate each other is how they're doing it. They're doing it for race. They're doing it for sex. Mm. They're doing it for every group that they can hyphenate. But ultimately, who stands to gain? And you said a mouthful. The Democrats and Republicans have both pushed for the same movement towards socialized medicine and for the government takeover. It's about money, too, not just – I think it's control, but it's also about money and shifting of that money from from the Americans to the government. And there's nothing – that's definitely a transfer of wealth, in my opinion. Oh, it is. And, it, you know, we have a, what we call a bureaucratic oligarchy, my friend. Jonathan E. Mord, who's an attorney, FDA constitutional attorney, has beaten the FDA back like seven, eight times now. No one else has done that. And we have an unelected bureaucracy, no matter if it's a Republican or Democrat president. Uh, it doesn't matter who's controlling Congress, Senate. It doesn't matter. They've turned over their constitutional authority to an unelected uh, bureaucracy, and of course FDA, for instance, or even FTC, which would, uh, you know, uh, ban certain speech when it comes to talking openly and freely about natural medicines that can over- help you overcome cancer. Uh, that cannot be allowed. So we have a dogma in that church of pharmaceutical mysticism, which our government sanctions. And uh, the doctors are in the crosshairs right now. And, I, you know, when I speak of, of the freedom, I speak of the freedom for the medical doctors, too. People think, oh, you hate medical doctors. No, I don't. Uh, many of my best friends are in the medical community, and they also, you know, early on in my radio career, they secretly would cheer me on. They wouldn't tell anybody, but then some of them would say, hey, have you listened to that Robert Scott Bell guy? You should listen to him. And they're like telling me this, and it's like, your doctor told you this? Yeah, because they want freedom too, mm-hmm. and I want freedom for the physicians to be able to, to, to go outside the box and work with other non-physicians or physicians of, a, of another color stripe or whatever in terms of a, you know, a paradigm of medicine that they're working with, homeopathic or otherwise. Uh, so we have a situation where um, you know, the, the Republicans, which they say are conservative and more constitutional, they're like progressives doing the speed limit, right? So they're moving <laughs> to socialism just a little bit slower. So uh, you know, my argument was for liberty, and of course, if I could identify as a libertarian, I, I, I would. But you know, try to get the Libertarian Party to actually acknowledge some of this medical history is also difficult. So I'm not aligned with any one party in my discussion. I think they, uh, as we call ourselves, sometimes equal opportunity offenders of the status quo. Um, my dear friend, departed friend uh, Liam Sheff wrote one of the most seminal books. I feel like everybody in your audience, if you haven't read it yet as well, Doctor George, should read called Official Stories. And you begin to realize that in so many ways we were lied to, not just about medicine, but certainly about medicine and vaccines, but many other things. And his tagline was, official stories are there to protect the officials. And we need to begin to see through this on many levels because politics, economics, all of these things are used, like you said, the Hegelian dialectic to divide and conquer us. And we've got to step back from that and see more clearly so that we can operate with the empowerment that we have been granted by that which created us all. And that's not government. That's for sure. That's mutually exclusive at this point, I think. <laughs> um, in terms of the medication, because you, you mentioned the petroleum-based type of system in terms of the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical industry. Can you tease that out so my, my listeners can understand what that means? I mean, it's not – obviously, it's not natural. It's chemical. It's man-made. 
But what is the thing that they're making it? I know fluoride seems to be some of the the underpinnings of these medications, which is toxic to the to the thyroid, amongst other sure. things. What else is there in the medications that you see in a chemical way is toxic to us? Well, in the age of oil, and interestingly enough, petrolatum, petroleum is a naturally occurring compound from the earth. But what they found in you know the latter part of the 19th century and big time in the 20th century through organic chemistry, they had the ability to alter these molecules and synthesize them into things that had never before existed in our knowledge on the, in the history of the planet itself, much less humanity. And so everything, by definition, when you alter it and synthesize it, becomes a foreign toxin to the body. You know, we know how our bodies know how to um, take metabolic waste. That is, you know, you eat food, you, you consume substances that we've been consuming since we've been on the planet. And, you know, your body knows, your microbiome knows how to address that and, and, and break it down. And, and then the waste products are metabolic and they are bound and excreted by the liver, kidneys, colon, etc. Mm-hmm. So what we have in the entire petrochemical industry is that it, not that oil from the ground is not natural, but the reality is when you synthesize it, you be, it becomes toxic. Now, you can mention other things like metals, heavy metals, fluoride in that realm, but certainly mercury was used as medicine in allopathic uh, uh, training over the centuries and, and even in dentistry where they used mercury fillings. Uh, so there are a lot of substances that just don't have any place in human body or certainly from an ingestible perspective. And I covered a story just the other day on my radio show how doctors – and scientists are now blaming the human microbiome as the cause for drug toxicity. Hmm. Are you kidding me? That doesn't make the, sense. Dr- the, the drug was toxic to begin with. <laughs> You're saying the microbiome made it more toxic because it was trying to desperately break it down and get it out. Yeah, that's their argument. So, uh, you know, the entire realm of, of, of modern allopathic drug medicine is, by definition, toxicity, toxic. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying there's never a place for a drug. I've never said that. In fact, you know, in life-saving intervention scenarios, it's it's amazing. That's where you get the wonder of modern medicine. Mm-hmm. But what has transformed uh, medicine into a disaster is the idea that every drug is, ev- you know, or every symptom is evidence of a deficiency of a drug, and we must keep people on it as long as possible. And that wasn't the origin of these drugs. The idea was get them on it, get them off of it as quickly as possible, get them out of crisis, and then get, get them back on a healing path. Again, lost to modern medicine, although many doctors are awakening uh, now to this reality and trying to find a way, how do I outgrow my training or the limitations of my training? Good point. I mean, I see it every day and I do it every day now, which is to treat the problem, not just mask the symptom. And the, the good news about my practice is really I'm really blessed because my patients that are coming in don't want to take a medication. They want to actually figure out what the problem is, and they're going to be partners in their care. I think we as physicians and any practitioner, and I think you're Again, you're blessed you have patients who come to you already willing and able to work hand-in-hand hand with you. But for people who just want a pill, which what we I think that's what they've been indoctrinated to believe, especially mm-hmm. on commercials, we have to start to, to talk to those guys about just because it's on TV doesn't make it true. Like So when they come to you and ask for, ask your doctor, this is the wrong yeah. office to pick that one to say because that's not happening in my office. But it's about education. And instead of us trying to work harder and get get nowhere. Maybe we all should take a step back and withdraw our consent, doctors and patients, from this system. Because it, it lives through us. We're writing the prescriptions. The patients are watching TV and demand, quote-unquote, demanding stuff. The answer is no. That's a beautiful word, isn't it? 
Mm-hmm. I'm not into giving people diseases necessarily, although uh, once I heard the chicken pox and measles were around, I immediately got my kids over there to get the disease because <laughs> it's an infection that helps train their immune system and strengthen them. Exactly. And the, health, the healthiest kids I ever see around the world, much less in America, are the least vaccinated or not vaccinated at all. And, you know, that that's where you use the word consent. And I think this is such a powerful word. And we need to understand this, that we need to give government and modern medicine a consent deficiency disease. That is, withdraw your consent. Now, what we see here is a desperate attempt to uh, overrun that issue of consent. We've seen it with uh, cancer treatments for children where they violate parental rights and authority over their children. We've seen it in the the vaccine issue here in the courts where they always rule on the side of a parent that wants to vaccinate. And now they're arguing, hey, kids, be cool and disobey your parents who Mm -hmm. won't allow you to get vaccinated. And that's something I'm covering on the show uh, very soon. Uh, but the, this idea, c- consent, where where is it that you can violate consent? Fully informed consent, I think that was a you know a fundamental value to medicine that you would give your patients an opportunity to assess. Here are the pros and the cons of any given treatment modality or medicine. Let's talk about this together and come to a conclusion that we can both work together on. But now they want to dominate uh, basically the lay person that comes to a doctor. Uh, or, you know, the families who are now recognizing that vaccines have never been tested for safety or efficacy, any of them on their own or even together, mm-hmm. and, and that the schedule is made up. It's based on a bunch of hooey. There's no science based on, you know, on the CDC's uh, schedule for vaccinating children. So we have got to get that consent concept or else we're no better than the, uh, the Nazis in Germany when they just sent people to concentration camps and experimented on them until they died. This, this is not a, a, an ideal for medicine, much less an ideal for the American people or any free people. No, I absolutely agree. I mean, I th- is this the Geneva Convention? I think that's yeah. where it is. You cannot medicate or treat someone without informed consent. That's illegal. How do they get away? Well, I guess it's just fear and indoctrination fear, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. partial information. But it's, it really is – you have to take responsibility for yourself at this day and age – just to blindly do things without questioning them, I think that's a very bad idea. I don't care what it is. Yeah, I think our parents taught us that, and certainly our grandparents tried to, you know, give us a little lick of sense, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, I just think that uh, common sense is not so common anymore in medicine <laughs> when we just accept these uh, uh, edicts from, uh, you know, government. You know, many people don't trust the government, but when it comes to medicine, suddenly they go, they fawn all over themselves to mm-hmm. say everybody should be vaccinated as if there's a one-size-fits-all approach for anything in medicine. I mean, even a drug, do you give the same drug to everybody that comes to you? No. Or do you assess their situation uniquely and how, what is their tolerance, what level of the drug? And then with this vaccine thing, they give, well, everybody should get the same schedule no matter what. Exactly. And you dare say that that's not good medicine, that's not practicing good medicine, then you're suddenly called uh, an anti-vaxxer as if uh, that's anything but a, a, a term that you should be proud of at this <laughs> point because of the way they don't have uh, you know validations on their claims to uh, – uh, being scientifically literate in this regard. Well, my question too is if you, if this vaccination was so awesome, why do you keep seeing these measles outbreaks and such? And what happened mm-hmm. to herd immunity? The arguments that they use to make you do it all of a sudden don't count when it's not working. I'm immune from measles and mumps for my forever because I had them as a child and my titers are still through the roof. Right. Which one would you rather have? Get shot up every month or, sorry, every year, still not working, still get the disease. And that's supposed to be a good thing? I mean, really? And, you know, it, follow the money. That's my mantra. Because if you mm-hmm. follow the money, you figure out why all of this is happening. And let's take a small break because I want to ask what your thoughts are about 
that the ability for drug companies to be immune if there's a bad outcome. Let's take a break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. This is Dr. George from Medicine on Call. Each week I speak about our healthcare system and the problems with it. One of the main problems is the doctor-patient relationship. I've found that patients really crave time, the time to ask their doctor questions, and physicians crave the time to answer those questions in a thorough manner. Towards that end, Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center is pleased to announce a new video telemedicine service. We now offer consultation for second opinions and for people who'd like to learn more and ask questions about how to navigate the healthcare system in a cost-effective and efficient manner. Go to peachtreeentcenter.video-visits.com to learn more. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Mr. Robert Scott Bell, and before the break, we were talking about vaccines and a huge amount of money that's being made from them. I remember when I was in medical school, the vaccine makers stopped making vaccines because there wasn't any money to be made in it, and then the law got passed that made them immune from being prosecuted, and it exploded. I mean, there's a vaccine for everything at this point. What's your thought on that? Do you think that this is a lobbying situation where you know, the, the money, the lobby money is just flowing up there into Capitol Hill, so they're working against everybody? Or what do you think? Well, let me ask everybody listening to this. How many of you would buy without investigation and give to your children a liability-free product? That means a manufacturer could make a product. It could be defective. Who knows? It doesn't matter. No matter what happens to you when you use that product or your kids use that product, they could be injured or killed. You don't have an opportunity to sue the pants off of that manufacturer for making a dangerous product. That's basically what we have with vaccines today. Since the 1986 uh, National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program went into effect around uh, 1988, really, uh, there's been over $4 billion paid in a no-fault system where the vaccine industry is not held liable. They don't even have to pay a fine. All of this money comes from U.S. taxpayer uh, dollars with the purchase of every vaccine for every antigen in it. And so you have a situation where, uh, you know, imagine uh, many years ago, you might remember the Firestone tire fiasco where these tires were just blowing up. And, of course, Firestone was subject to lawsuits and liability, and there were recalls, etc. And though they had a very strong incentive to make a better tire, one that wouldn't explode. Uh, but had they not been held liable, and let's say they were the uh, – uh, in fact, the government mandated the purchase of their tires. You know, it's like at a certain point, people would go – you know what, I think I'm going to make my own tire, or I'm just not going to use tires anymore, <laughs> because these are dangerous, and, and I can't, there's no recourse, right? Yeah. So uh, why do people give a pass to the vaccine industry on this thing? They have no liability. There's no incentive to make a safer product, even if that's possible. 
Uh, so uh, you have an unusual, untenable position. It's a great position if you're a, a vaccine manufacturer. You get to make stuff and get the government to put it on a schedule that appears to be a mandate. Mm-hmm. And no matter if your vaccine works or not, it doesn't matter. Your product doesn't work, doesn't matter. It's still going to be sold. <laughs> if your product injures or kills somebody, doesn't matter. You can't be sued. You're not going to lose a penny, right? I don't know how these people sleep at night. They do that because I said that they're either on major medication, psychiatric drugs, or, or drinking heavily. They're on drugs at this point because it's unconscionable. But humans, we know this through psychological experience, uh, experiments of the 20th century, are willing to do horrible and evil things to other people when they feel like there is no recourse to their action. There's no accountability. Suddenly, people will do horrible things, and that is where we are with the vaccine and pharmaceutical industry. Now, with drugs, there is some level of recourse. Remember the Vioxx scandal. Uh, by the way, the FDA approved Vioxx and killed uh, you know over a hundred thousand or more people. Uh, yet there was lo- there were lawsuits, there was recourse, although it's still a disaster. People looking to the FDA to say, hey, they're really out for us or protecting us. If the FDA approves something. I'm not taking it. I'm just, I'm just, I don't trust them. And I think that anybody that does at this point is not, is not really paying attention. I think you can actually extrapolate that to pretty much everything that government's involved with. Affordable Care Act, I use that, that same template can be applied to the insurance industry. They get money mandated that you pay to them. They don't have to pay it out. They get to practice medicine and deny care 24-7 and they're, and they're protected. This is like a, a, a template. This is not capitalism. This is crony capitalism. <laughs> and yeah. everybody keeps saying, oh, we want socialism, and it's so awful. But it's not capitalism that we're dealing with. It's, Correct. You know, what is it? Uh, centralization, uh, government. It's fascism, really, because it's the mm-hmm. government and the, and, the, and the corporations colluding together to take Correct. what they want from everybody. And, and so yeah. what? Well, God bless you, Dr. George, for recognizing and speaking out about it. And uh, I'm only sorry we didn't connect sooner. I'm just thrilled to connect with you now. And I can't wait to have you on my broadcast radio show. Oh, thank you. I'd love to come on. I just feel like everybody, we don't talk to each other. So there's so many people who actually think outside the box and think the same way. But unless we open up our mouths and start speaking, it's not what you look like, for God's sake. It's not what you sound like. It's not what your sex is. It's your mind, and everybody, I don't care who you are, everybody wants the same thing, which is to be free, to do what God put them on this earth to do, to be left alone, love their family and friends, and live a long, mm-hmm. healthy life. I don't think most people would say that they want all of that, but I don't like, you know what, I'm taking that back, because the people who want <laughs> socialism don't want that. Mm-hmm. They want to control yeah. you, me, yeah. our minds, what we do with our bodies. I just reject that. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I just think it, that, that, you know, this concept of uh, slavery is obviously a controversial one if you bring it up. But, uh, you know, we've got a lot of history in America and the Deep South and all of these things that come through. I, Although I was born in the North, I lived in, in Georgia for 30 years and, and learned about, you know, a lot of that history growing up. And, and yet I see that the, the slavery has taken a new turn and, and it doesn't matter the skin color anymore. It's yeah. about anybody that participates in government mandates. You're enslaved to a system that breeds dependence. And, uh, you know, again, we have to have nuances in our definitions granted, but I think we can argue that if we're forced to do something against our will, then the question is who controls us, who owns us, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a legitimate question that broadens the scope of what uh, I think is a, a very dangerous precedent that is being set every day 
whenever we allow the government to say how we must live our lives or prohibit us from living us in a way that they disapprove of. Now, I say this as long as we're not violating the rights of anybody else in the process of living the, the, the way we believe is right for us. And again, that's a concept of, you know, first do no harm, which the doctors kind of abandon when they prescribe a drug right out of medical school. Agreed. And, you know, ultimately, it, it comes down to being, being true to yourself and being an individual and being able, the, the word no is again a wonderful thing. If it doesn't, if it doesn't work for you, again, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm more libertarian mindset as well. Although labels mm-hmm. don't matter anymore. I'm an individual. Right. And I think right. everybody should be treated as such. And as long as I'm not hurting you, you're not hurting me and stepping on my toes, then have at it. As long as it's not hurting children, animals, seniors, you know, I'm not into any of that stuff. That stuff is not, not cool. But after you talk about the individual being able to pursue what their destiny is, we need to take that mindset in terms of healthcare, in terms of the way we want to live our lives. And I don't think we're in a position now or we're in a mindset that that's not, no one can actually speak to that truth anymore. But if we're, if we continue to stay silent, I think that that's only going to erode further. We can't continue to say, I'll just be nice and they'll go away. Or I'll just not make a fuss. Because mm-hmm. that's, they take niceness for weakness and you end up losing ground when you do that. Right. Paraphrasing here, all evil needs uh, for its ability to persist is good men and women to say and do nothing. And, you know, we've institutionalized that harm you talked about not wanting to do, to visit harm on children or adults through an allopathic system that has a place in a total health care system. But the place it belongs is is largely in, uh, you know, the emergency trauma interventions. That's mm-hmm. the, the most amazing things that allopathic medicine has done in, uh, you know, in its advancement into the 21st century. But to apply these concepts of emergency trauma medicine to chronic degradation diseases based on toxicity and deficiency, that's that's a form of insanity. Agreed. And it's not working and it costs everybody in terms of their lives, in terms of their money, in terms of them being able to pass their wealth to old, to their generations, to their grandchildren, et cetera, et cetera. It's not working. But I mean I, I this is such a short time that we have to each other, but I'd love to have you back on because I want to get your take on how do we start detoxing? How do we get mm-hmm. outside and start getting all this trash out of our system? So we can stop getting, start getting healthy. I have so many friends who now have autoimmune diseases and they have thyroid problems and, and things yeah. are just, it's crazy. And there has to be something outside of us that's causing it, in my opinion. Well, absolutely. And that, that which is outside of us is getting inside of us. And that's the problem. And that's why <laughs> exactly. you, you raised that very important question. And I'd be honored and happy to come back on board and talk more along the lines of what can we do proactively at this point. This is what my life has become about ever since I learned this so many years ago. So just uh, very grateful for you and your work. And uh, as I said, you know, I feel like I've missed out on many years of not knowing you already. Well, you know what? It's this is the beginning. How about that? I'll I'll take it. Let's do it. How can people reach you and, and listen to your show and your archives and follow your work? Well, I'm on two hours a day, six days a week. Genesis Communications Network is a syndicator in radio, but don't worry if you can't find it on radio. Nowadays, everything comes in through Internet. You can listen through iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, UK Health Radio, and uh, we do simulcast on YouTube while we still can and are not censored for doing that. And uh, so there are a lot of ways, but if you go to robertscottbell.com, everything's available right there. I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with me today. 
I feel like I have a new friend and I'm going to follow you closely and I look forward to coming back, uh, for you to come back on my show. And if you ever want me on, I'd be happy to be on yours as well. Oh, thank you, Dr. Elena George. You, you can count on that. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for listening to Medicine on Call. You can catch our show also on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And you can uh, read my blogs at drelanageorge.com. Have a great week. Thank you. If you've tried taking over-the-counter medications but still have problems with nasal congestion, recurrent sinus infections, sinus headaches, or a dry mouth when you wake up in the morning, why not fix the problem? From natural integrative treatment to minimally invasive surgery, Peachtree ENT Center will work with you to find the solution that works best for you. Call 404-591-9100 today to make an appointment or visit us at PeachtreeENTCenter.com because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM.